Our next story starts back in the days of Prohibition. The time of bootleg whiskey, secret nightclubs, and lots and lots of police raids. Snap Judgment. The Jungle Room was, it, it only seated like 300 people. It had all kinds of masks from all over Africa, and African fabric on the walls, and, and the, the uh, tables, they looked like huge African drums. What they were most famous for is that like Cab Calloway and uh, Count Basie and Duke Ellington and Ella Fitzgerald would come to the club after working hours. So after they finished playing at the Cotton Club at 2 o'clock in the morning, they would come to the Jungle Room and they would perform for each other. When the cops came, because they, they came fairly regularly, there was, there was this really sophisticated system of shutdown and flip over. And when you hit the switch, maybe 20 of these liquor cabinets flip around to the opposite side and they present a blank wall. The craps table flipped over, gambling tables disappear. By the time the police actually got inside, there would be nothing that they considered illegal going on. As an African in America, you have to always be on your guard. You have to always be aware. You have to always know what's going on. My grandfather recognized the fact that he was a goose in a fox court. Well, basically what's happening is they tell the story of old Sister Goose who was walking down the way. She gets snatched up by a fox. The fox wants to break her neck and eat her. And she says, no, hold on. You can't do that. We're going to go to the police. They call the police, but the police, they were foxes also. So she said, well, we're going to the courthouse. And they went to the courthouse. And at the courthouse, the, the, the judge was a fox and the jury were foxes. So they broke her neck and they picked her bones. You cannot get goose justice in a fox court. And from that, I recognized that it was necessary for me to leave the United States of America and get out of Dodge. When I was 21 years old, I was on the island of St. Thomas. And the reason that I was on the island of St. Thomas is because when I studied what is the closest place where people speak English, that's what came up. And it cost no more than $25 for me to get there. And I got there. And when I got there, everybody looked like me. I got a college degree. I'm like, I'm going to have a job. I finally got that first real job, the first real job that I ever wanted to have that would get me on the path to what I wanted to do. Here I am. I am an elementary school teacher in the Virgin Islands. Get out of here. I'd just become a school teacher. That was my first week, uh, slightly inebriated. Me and my five white friends, everybody was a school teacher. Males, testosterone, zooming all over the place. I mean, you know, none of us were punks. And so we're walking down this alley and somebody says, oh, look, they left the door open to the big time restaurant. 
And they said, oh, look, the back door is open. So somebody said, man, you know, somebody could go in there and just steal all of that food. And somebody said, oh, no, they couldn't do that because there's like this screen door there. And I said, actually, I could flip the latch on that door um, real easily. And we could just go in and take anything we wanted. We took all of the hamburger meat. We took all of the cheese. And we took all of the steaks. And, and we weren't really even thinking about what we were doing. We just took, we didn't take anything else. We took the steaks and we took the hamburger. We knew we could eat steaks and hamburgers, you know, share steaks and hamburgers with all our friends on the beach. You know, I mean, if we went to Hawaii, we would have called it a luau. Actually, I shouldn't admit this, but at the time, it seemed like a good idea. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the police jumped out and shouted, put up your hands, put your hands up. Being from Harlem, I immediately tried to touch the sky. They took us to the police station, and I was immediately separated from my friends. Did I mention the fact that uh, my friends were white, uh, and I'm not? So I'm in this interrogation room, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just waiting because I don't know what's going on. So they put me in the cell. These cells are 18th century dungeons with high ceilings and just one ventilation shaft. It's real dismal kind of conditions in there. All my friends bailed out the next day. I was suspended from my job as a school teacher. It took five weeks before we had a trial. During that five weeks, my co-defendants never contacted me. When we arrived at court, they all had Brooks Brothers lawyers. You know, they were suited and booted, and nobody spoke to me. I was the only person who had a court-appointed attorney, and he was late. He was five minutes late. He was 10 minutes late. Okay, I'm sweating bullets. I mean, you know, I'm going to jail. My lawyer was nearly 20 minutes late. Then he burst through the doors with a flourish. He was mid-60s in age, a handsome brown-skinned man with a swagger. He looks like something out of Ebony magazine. He looks like a fashion model. I mean, he's clean as the board of hell. And when he walks through the door, the judge says to him, Good morning, Judge Christian. My lawyer is a retired judge. I'm like, man, all right. And then my, my, my lawyer says to the judge, Begging your honest pardon, the reason why I was late is because I was in the hallway speaking with the arresting officers and they want to dismiss all the charges against my client without prejudice. They're dismissing all the charges against me without prejudice. Now, my five friends, they still there. They still got court to go to. 
and I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm free to go. I'm out of there. I figured it out really quickly. It felt like, I guess it must feel like what it feels like being a Caucasian in America. I found out later on that they were ordered to pay heavy fines. They were exiled from the island and told if they ever returned, they would be charged and imprisoned. But that's not even the end of the story. See, once I got outside of the courtroom, my lawyer, he says to me, have you been paid for the time that you were suspended from teaching? And I said, no. He said, you were suspended for five weeks? I said, yeah, I've not been paid. He said, okay, I want you to go to the governor's office. Tell him that I said that they must pay you. So I went to the governor's office. When I get to the governor's mansion, everybody knows who I am. I don't know how everybody, everybody knew who I was when I walked up, big old afro, three-piece suit, watch out. And I go into the governor's office, and he's like, have a seat. Have a seat? You want me to, you know, like, sit down? All right. So I sit down in the governor's office, and I'm actually feeling a little bit relaxed, you know. So we start talking. He asked me where I'm from. I saw I'm from New York. You know, I grew up in Harlem. He said, oh, Harlem. I remember Harlem. I remember Harlem back during the Roaring Twenties. I used to hang out in Harlem back in the day. And I was like, really? You know, because my grandfather, he hung out in Harlem too, you know, and he owned a, a club, you know, called the Jungle Room. He said, Mr. B? You talking Mr. B? You Mr. B's grandson? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, this is Mr. B. Grandson in here. You know, we start talking and, and kicking it a little bit, and he says, I got to give him my grandfather's address and telephone number, and they haven't gotten together in all these years. Oh, yeah, and here, let me sign this petition for you. You know, and I need you, anytime you have a problem or anything, you come back by, I want you to know that my door is always open to you. Your door is always open to me, and you are the governor. And the governor saying to me, if there's anything that you need, if there's anything that I need, he said, if there's anything that you need, just give me a call. Dude, we were going to get some goose justice up in the goose court. You know what I'm saying? Watch out. Thanks, as always, to the great Abdul Kenyatta for that story. The original score was by Leon Morimoto. That piece was produced by Anna Sussman. <laughs>